The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. What would this world be like if there weren't pandemics, unemployment, divorce, orphans? What would this world be like if people didn't go hungry, if people didn't fight? What would this world be like if people didn't grow old and die? You know, it's almost impossible for us to imagine a world like that because you and I, we've always lived in a world where creation was decaying beneath our feet. We've always lived in a world that is corrupted by sin. Never known anything but it because you and I, you see, we live east of Eden. We live after the great fall of mankind into sin. You might have a hard time doing it, but I want you to just try to picture that kind of a world for a moment. A world where never anyone was any, no, no one was ever lonely or afraid. No one ever was sick. No one ever died. Imagine a world where people in their relationship with God, it's nothing but praise and honor and righteousness. There's no such thing as disappointment or guilt. Imagine a, a home, a world that gave you everything you could possibly want, perfectly provided for you. God called that place the Garden of Eden. And in it, he made mankind. In the primordial days of this earth, God put Adam and Eve into the Garden of Eden, created them to live and to love in the world that he had made for them. They were created, they were not some animals that dropped their tails and stood upright. No, God said he created them to be the crown of his creation. He told them to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over everything that moves along the ground. There's a reason that you don't feel very much like a monkey because you were not evolutionarily descended from it as its cousin. You were created to be its crown. God took mankind and placed him in this unbelievable position of privilege and honor in his newly created world, in a perfect world. And so there they lived, in a perfect relationship with each other, in a perfect relationship with God, and in a perfect relationship with the world around them. It was a life of nothing but loving him and being loved, a life of nothing but glory and perfection. And it was a life that God intended for them to live forever and ever and ever and never die. That was the plan. God's plan for them was perfect. As a testament to his plan and as a way for them to give him thanks and glory, God, in the middle of the Garden of Eden, he put a tree, a very special tree, very center of the garden. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, you can eat fruit from all the trees in the garden, but here's how you can worship me. Here's how you can give me glory. That tree that's in the center of the garden, don't eat from that one. That's how you can give me glory. That's how you can worship me. You know, if you translate the Hebrew, it can either be the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or the other way you could translate the Hebrew, which I like a little better, is the tree by which good and evil are known. Because you see, that tree stood as a marker. 
for the plan of God. A marker between good, doing what God commanded, eating of the trees of the garden, and what was evil, eating of the forbidden fruit. And right there in the center of their life was this tree that meant to serve as a marker, the boundary line, really, between obedience and rebellion, between life as the Creator intended it, and existence without His blessing. It was the tree by which good and evil were known. And into this world of pure good came a being of pure evil, if he could corrupt the children God had made, to see if he could ruin everything God had created. And he found her at the tree. And he said, or the book of, the book of Genesis says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals God had made. He said to the woman, all right, this is the first hint that we're not talking about a run-of-the-mill serpent, right, because it's, it's talking, right? This is a sentient being. This is not just a snake. This is the devil come again to try to ruin what God had made. And this, obviously, is the first point at which Eve should have obviously headed for the exits. Talking snake, time to go. But, but instead, she was interested to hear what this serpent who could speak might have to say. Isn't that the way it is with sin for you and me too? We might know that something's wrong, but instead of heading for the exits, we, we poke around the edge of it a little bit. I want to just hear what it's about. But I'm in control. I'm in control. I can stop myself anytime until you find yourself wrapped in its coils, right? Oh, so this talking serpent, he says, he says this. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say? First thing he wants her to do is to doubt God's word, right? Because if he can get her to doubt God's word, did God really say? Well, he can get her to do just about anything he wants. And there's a reason that after all these years, the devil hasn't changed his tactics that much because they work pretty well. If the devil can get you and I to doubt God's word, to doubt how important God's word is in our life, well, he can get us to do about anything we want to. And the first thing he wants to get Eve to do is to not just doubt God's word, but to doubt, well, God's love. Right? Remember what he said? He said, did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees of the garden? That's not what God had said. God had said, you can eat from all the trees, just not, just not the one. But what's the devil's doing? He's, he's implying that God's like some kind of an ogre. What, God won't let you eat from any of the trees of the garden? He's trying to make Adam and Eve think that God's commands aren't good. Right? He does the same thing to you and me all the time. I mean, we, sometimes we fall into thinking that when God gives us a law or a command about how God wants us to live, what we shall do or what we shall not do, we're tempted sometimes, especially on the ones that we have a hard time keeping, to think that maybe God's restricting me. He's not letting me do everything I might want to do. Maybe these commands, as the devil would say, really? God won't let you eat from any tree? The way he says it to you and me is, 
when we're contemplating those things that we want to do but God's told us not to do. And the devil says, really, does God not want you to have any fun? Does God not want you to feel fulfilled at all? Does God not want you to feel loved? The answer, of course, is yes, he does. He wants you to feel loved and fulfilled, and he wants you to have fun. The the difference is, the devil says, that what God's plan is can't possibly be where you can find your fun or your fulfillment or your love. Right? I mean, it all comes down to what is the purpose for which God gives us these, these commands or laws. And if we understand why he gives us these laws, it changes our attitude about them. I mean, think about it. When you, when you have young children, you've got all sorts of rules that you make up for them in your house, right? In our house growing up with our kids, we had all sorts of rules. And I promise you, none of them, not a single one, was meant to try to suck the fun out of their life. It wasn't. Not at all. Uh, instead, they were all meant for their good. I mean, we had, the, we had everyone has this one, the no touching the hot stove rule, right? Um, this was not because I wanted to deprive my children the experience of how fun it is to leave a chunk of skin on a burner, right? No, it's because I don't want them to be hurt. But now here the devil comes along and tries to suggest that, well, when God tells us to do something, maybe it's not for our good. Maybe your plan is better than God's plan. Well, if we understood that God is the one person who loves you more than anyone else in the entire universe, well, then we can understand that if he gives us a command, it's to bless us, not to harm us. That command to not eat the fruit of this tree was God's intent, his plan for, to bless Adam and Eve forever and ever. But the devil wants to turn that on its head. But you know, Eve, she did pretty well. She said, no, God didn't say we couldn't eat from any of the, we can eat from any of the trees in the garden, just not the one in the middle. Okay, and Eve also understood the purpose of that tree and the ramifications of it, that it was the tree by which good and evil were known, that it was the boundary line between life with God and rebellion against God, the boundary between life with God's blessing and death. She said, you must not eat it and you must not touch it or you will surely die. The devil changes his tactics a little bit. He said, no, you won't. God lies. He's lying to you about that. You're not going to eat of it. You can eat of it all you want. You're not going to die. No, in fact, God's lying to you because he's holding out on you. He doesn't love you like he says he does. The only thing that's keeping him from wanting you to eat that is because it would make you be like him. That's why he's lying to you. If you eat that fruit, well, then you're going to know the difference between good and evil. You'll be like God. You won't be under God anymore. You can rise up. You can be right next to him. It's interesting. You see what he does, right? First thing he does is he tempts Eve to doubt God's word. Then he tempts Eve to reject God's word as a lie. Then the third thing he does is he tempts Eve to just establish a truth for herself. To take God's plan and start rearranging the things of this world to fit her view. She could have her own truth. It's very postmodern, very relevant today, isn't it? 
And you hear people talk about, well, this is my truth. You've got to find your own truth, as if there are multiple truths out there that could exist. The devil encouraged her. Yeah, find your own truth. Hey, if in your truth you think that God's a liar, shouldn't take him for, at his word, and the, the penalty for eating that fruit doesn't matter, that can be your truth for you. Isn't it interesting that when God's plan for his people was set up, it wasn't something so subjective as telling Adam and Eve to find truth for themselves. In fact, his plan wasn't tied to individualized truth. It was tied to an objectively real tree, right? You want to know what God's plan is? Go to the center of the garden. On one side is obedience. On the other side is disobedience. On the one side is life. On the other side is death. But Eve listened. Listen to the, well, what ultimately is always an empty promise of sin. When you eat of it, you will be like God. Thing is, if what God's will for you is, if that is the one plan that God has to bless you in the best possible way, anything other than that has to inevitably fall short. Think about it this way. Like, uh, think about the last time you were tempted to do something that you knew was wrong, you knew it was wrong, and you struggled with it, but then you gave in and you did it. Now, afterwards, did it really deliver the joy or the pleasure or the satisfaction that it promised? Or afterwards, did you just feel empty? Of course, because anything other than God's plan isn't for your good. It's an empty promise. It can't deliver the joy or the pleasure that it promises. It just can't. Just like this promise, this empty promise that the devil gave Eve, you'll be like God. But Eve listened. She took the fruit. She rebelled against God's will. She ate it. And Adam? Oh, Adam. Adam wasn't off somewhere else. The Bible says Adam was right there with her. And here's the thing. God had called Adam to be the, the spiritual leader of his family. Now, that's, spiritual leadership is not a position of privilege. It's a position of responsibility. Adam was to be responsible for his family, but, man, what could he have done? I mean, he could have pulled Eve away from the talking snake. He could have reminded her of what God's promises were. He could have said, remember, we know about this tree. We know about our God. He could have done any of those things, but what he did was absolutely nothing. Except he too took of the fruit and he ate it. This was a day that changed the world. Before that day, God's, God's plan for mankind's destiny was a life that never ended with God in glory. But when they ate the forbidden fruit, the reality of the tree that shows the difference between good and evil came true. Everything changed that day. Because when holiness and peace vanished, what rushed into the vacuum left behind was death. A perfect world became perfectly corrupted. And instead of having a life that lasted forever, Adam and Eve brought us into the new age of the dying. The age where death is simply deferred. 
waiting. Everything changed that day. And then God came. And they heard him walking in the garden. And they were afraid. And they ran and they hid. They heard him call out, where are you? And here's the thing. Sinful man could not conceive of God coming for any other reason except to punish. Couldn't conceive of it. Sinful man could not, could not comprehend why God would come except to even the score. They heard him call out, where are you? And they hid. They couldn't begin to understand that God hadn't come to punish them. He'd come for a different reason entirely. Because you see, he looked down at these rebellious children and he loved them for no reason whatsoever. He still loved them in spite of what they were. And so while Adam and Eve were still hiding from their loving God, when Adam and Eve, before they'd even had a chance to say they're sorry or beg for God's mercy, God comes saying, where are you? Because he had a plan. He had come to fix what mankind had broken. He had come to tell them that he would do what they could not. Sinful man could never conceive of it, but God showed up in the garden that day to save. And what's recorded for us in our reading this morning, Genesis 3.15, that is the very first gospel promise in the Bible. And you want know the whole rest of the Bible is an explanation about how God carried out that plan. And, and from the very beginning, inexplicably, it's hard to even imagine why this would be, but God said mankind had messed all this up, but the Savior he promised, the solution was going to be intimately tied to humanity. God was going to use a descendant of Eve to fix what Adam and Eve had messed up. But for that to happen... For that to work, this is going to have to be a completely different kind of human. And you know, that's exactly what God planned. That's exactly what God did. It was a world-changing day thousands of years later when God made good on this promise, when God took on flesh in the womb of a virgin and became man, man with one mission, to right what was wrong and to do what we had left undone. He had come to do what Adam could not. And the day that God became incarnate, that was the day when everything changed because on that day a new age dawned. A new age dawned on the earth because the battle for mankind had been joined. The Son of God came to defeat the devil and his coming marked the beginning of an age of growing light and truth, an age of grace, an age where sin's powers were defeated and death's shackles broken. This is the good news that has echoed through this world since the primordial days of the earth when God walked in a garden. The Son of God has battled in your place. He suffered in your place. He lived and died in your place. And when he rose from the dead, he proved to you, to me, and to the world that the great fall of Adam had been overcome by the second Adam, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
a new age has dawned. An age where sinners like you and me can stand forgiven before our God, a God who will never fail to call out to us, where are you? A God who will always draw us to him, a God who would stop at nothing to do what we had left undone. This is an age of light and grace and life built on the victory won by the Son of God. To him be the glory. Amen.